0: A Matter of Spirit is the quarterly justice journal of the Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center. This article appeared in the spring 2021 issue on education equity. Solidarity with and for whom? A Call to Conversion for Anti-Racism and Social Justice by Dr. Mary J. Wardell Girarduzzi. Dr. Mary J. Wardell Girarduzzi is the Vice Provost for Diversity and Community Engagement at the University of San Francisco. This article is adapted from a presentation given at the Discerning Solidarity Panel on February 2nd, 2021. The concept of solidarity has been part of our Catholic tradition of both ministry and education for a long time. Yet some people who have gone through our institutions, and we are fortunate when they are comfortable sharing their feelings with us, have not felt a sense of solidarity in a way that made them feel liberated. They have not been able to fully experience life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think the present calls us to a higher standard. All of us who are educators and leaders to think more critically and holistically about the question What does solidarity mean now? There is a gap between our intent and our impact, and it lies in our understanding of solidarity. Solidarity for whom? Whom are we seeking to fulfill in our works? As I write, I can see a photo of two beautiful people, my parents, who have now passed on. I think back to countless lessons that I learned as a little girl, not only in church, but at the family kitchen table. I was raised by descendants of enslaved people who reared me in the black church. All the people who taught my four sisters and me were descendants of these people who had a complex and nuanced understanding of inequity and justice. Much of that learning, that early spiritual formation within a black community context, informs my work today as a leader of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Christian institutions. My parents were part of the Great Migration. They left the segregated South and arrived in California in 1953. My father was born in 1918 and grew up in rural eastern Texas in Texarkana, which is right on the Arkansas border. My mother, born in 1934, was from central rural Arkansas, not that far outside of Little Rock. They grew up in a society where public policy and the law were unfair and unequal. Neither of them was able to go to college, and my father left school after the eighth grade. Still, they passed on powerful lessons to me at that kitchen table, stories of liberation that came through the Gospels of Christ and the parables of Jesus, how our Lord and Savior was always with the most dispossessed, the furthest at the margins. My parents were refugees within their own country, who had to leave their own communities and move to another place to gain a measure of freedom. With limited formal education, they had a discerning awareness of the cognitive dissonance in our institutions that grounds the work that I do. My recent thinking about solidarity is inspired by Father General Arturo Sosa and his introduction to the Universal Apostolic Preferences, a 10-year discernment process for the Society of Jesus. In a recorded presentation, Father Sosa talks about the strong call to personal, communal, and institutional conversion that he mentions in his letter. He says, We have a lot of institutions with a long tradition, and as you know very well, to change an institution is not easy. That means the restructuring of minds and hearts. These preferences want to be a conversion inspiration, to do something different. That call to conversion really got my attention. This call leads us to the question, who are the violated among us today in 2021? If Jesus were among us, where would he be doing the justice work that we're engaged in? I believe that he would be comforting those families devastated by the ways in which black bodies and brown bodies are being slain in the streets of the United States. I believe that he would have a piercing message around anti-black racism. I believe that he would be among the multiracial coalition to end racial injustice. Placing the traditions and the language and the gifts of our own ministries in a 2021 context is to understand that we're being asked to uproot the racism deeply embedded in our institutions and consciousness in unknown ways. Anti-racist work is the act of solidarity against injustice. Part of our thinking is to rethink, as Father Sosa says, how are we living and working for justice within our institutional context? How are we relating within our institutional context to the people we serve? My context is students and faculty, staff and alumni, the communities in which we are located in San Francisco. How are we as an institution engaging in this conversation? I think the conversation is not of the individual alone. It is institutional work that we have to grapple with. I think we must continue to interrogate our own selves and struggle to understand all the ways in which we have not walked in solidarity with communities that have been left out. Black, indigenous, and other communities and persons of color, gender non-conforming folks, anyone who feels that they are at the margins of our institutions and thereby at the margins of our ministries. I believe that we're being called in and called up to a higher understanding of engaging these communities that have been left out and left behind. In the work that I do around equity and inclusion, I'm oftentimes reminded that Martin Luther King would say that it wasn't the works of our enemies but the silence of our friends that would hurt the most. And so, when I think about solidarity, I think in terms of, how are our friends and colleagues maintaining these systems of inequity? Who has been called, and, in their calling, hasn't yet had that full conversion? Of the many scriptures that they made us memorize as children, one in particular teaches the idea of not to throw your pearls before swine not to give your best to someone who continues to deny or not be receptive. To be honest, I'm not focused on the person openly seeking to harm others. I spend my time on those who say that they want to do good work, who say they are good people, who say they are committed to these ideas of consciousness, equity, solidarity, and help them understand where they are falling short. I believe that the greatest work can happen when those individuals have an even higher level of conversion and begin to see that the ways in which they've responded to things in the past are not fully following and fulfilling the promises of Christ. If you want to do racial equity work, you have to call a war on inequity and racial injustice. You have to understand what is fundamentally maintaining that inequity, and there is one easy way to remember it. The three Ds of maintaining inequity. The first one is called disconsciousness, which is known as the uncritical habit of mind. It's the way in which we accept things as the order of how things are. When children come into the world, they are highly conscious and will tell you when something doesn't seem right to them. For instance, when my daughters were little, they would ask, how come that person is lying there? when they saw somebody who was experiencing homelessness. I would try to explain, and then they would have more questions. How come and why? I could see their degree of consciousness. This consciousness changes through the ways in which we're socialized, and we become numb, and we begin to say, well, that is the order of things. There are some people that have, and there are some people that don't, and the poor will always be among us. As opposed to saying, no, There is a lack in the social safety net within society, and baby girl, all of us, are responsible for that person who's without a home. That's part of the work that we're trying to do, trying to create a consciousness that does not allow a child to think that would be normal. The second D is the idea of denial. I don't mean denial of facts, but the denial of justice and how all that plays into maintaining inequity. The last D of maintaining inequity is derailment, and I think this is often the tool of smart, liberal, and sometimes even religious folks who derail whatever the issue is at hand to focus on something else. When we try to focus on racial justice, it will sometimes be co-opted by other issues, such as gender or class, as if we cannot acknowledge that we are intersectional beings and at the same time focus on the single issue of race and racism. Solidarity, for me, is oriented to the notion of calling the people of God to higher consciousness, helping them face and amend their own disconsciousness, even as Christians, and helping them find out how they deny power to others. When Dr. King wrote his letter from a Birmingham jail, he addressed all the religious leaders. They were not using their privilege and positionality to help the disenfranchised and oppressed within the public realm of society. I sat for years and years on church benches, listening to sermons of liberation from a people who were stolen and then sold in a country that had left them behind and yet believed in the promises of America. My Jesus was very liberatory, and that's what I bring into my work in diversity, equity and inclusion, and racial equity and racial justice that liberatory message of Christ. We are always being called to our highest selves and that while we are sinners, the focus is not on our sin, but how we become more Christ-like. In 2021, I believe our work lies at the intersection of the liberatory message of Christ, the conversion of people who say they are committed to solidarity, and for those that are experiencing racism at a profound structural level in society.